0: Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, Ireland is uh, now generally regarded as one of the top surfing destinations in the world. And when it wasn't always that way, 50 years ago it was virtually unknown in this country, which is the subject of a new documentary called Keep It A Secret, funnily enough. Kevin Cavey from Wicklow features heavily in that documentary and joins us now. Good afternoon, Kevin. Oh, good afternoon to you. Uh, good one it is. Uh, how did you fir- When did you first come across surfing? Where did you first see it happening? Yeah, well, I always had a, a bit
1: of a, an attraction to the South Seas and all that went with that. And uh, I also lived in Bray for quite a few years and uh, did a lot of swimming and the family were aquatic minded. So uh, all of a sudden, one time I picked up a magazine and it was a reader's digest. And in it, it stated, it showed a picture of somebody surfing a wave and it didn't look any higher than what we have in Ireland. So I thought, that's it. I'm going to try and make that happen.
0: Right. OK. And so I suppose the first thing is, you go down to Dunn's stores and say, where do you keep the surfboards and what did they say?
1: (laughs) Well, that was it. A laugh. That's what would happen. Uh, there used to be bodyboards in shops. Always, I mean, it was it was definitely that people would skim in the waves from now and then if the weather was good, but actual surfboards that we know them today that would be such that you could stand on uh, did not exist.
0: So, what did you have to do then?
1: Uh, well, I had to try and build one, uh, a to see would it actually work before I bought one. And uh, to buy one, you would have to get in touch with Cornwall in the UK. And we are talking of 1964 now at this stage. Mm. And uh, even surfing was quite new uh, in Cornwall in those days, but unknown here. I,
0: uh, I,
1: so, yeah, so I did.
0: I, I, and did, and was there a supplier in, in Cornwall who could actually send you over one or, or how did that Yeah,
1: work? a fellow called Bill Bailey of Bilbo Surfboards. Um, so uh, in a very short time, um, a fellow from London was over here who was very interested in surfing and he and I got together and uh, we formed a little tiny company and we called it CNS Surfboards and we got an agency for supplying boards because this would mean then that the sport could expand in Ireland if we had the equipment.
0: Mm. So then, like when you got your first surfboard, did you essentially have to teach yourself how to do it?
1: That's true. I did. I had to t- teach myself. I did it on Bray Beach, the first first uh, attempt, and it was in the middle of summer, wet weather, windy, and uh, a few people kind of laughed and says, what are you? what are you doing? You know, it's in dreadful weather. But anyhow, I succeeded and uh, then I knew I could go further with the plan and uh, immediately uh, formed a little club with my friends and tried to expand it and put an advert in the special notices of the Irish Independent to say that uh, a club is being formed for surfing. And I got a lot of replies, even from the north of Ireland.
0: OK, now, that I'm, and it seems that, yeah, we'll get to the north in, in a minute because it seems almost like there was two parallel cultures uh, uh, growing up there. But the, the people who apply to join Bray Surf Club, the, did any of them have any experience of surfing? No, nobody. Just just a dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was you kind of turn up and, and, and you know, we kind of muddle our way through and, and uh, teach each other, I suppose.
1: That, that was it. But it didn't take long until people went on holidays, went abroad and then went to surfing areas and they picked up uh, a lot of the, uh, the know-how yeah. so much so yeah that they didn't require our boards that we imported uh, many of them were able to buy their own and just come in with them
0: and, and so then I mean all this is happening around Bray did it take a while to then kind of explore other parts of the country and, and, and the waves uh, there yeah
1: well there was contacts from around the country and the first safari occurred in 1966 after the Irish Boat Show. And it was at the Irish Boat Show that we uh, launched the club called Bray Ireland Surf Club and made it official. Uh, Now, immediately after that, we went on a tour to Sligo Bay and Donegal and uh, even into Northern Ireland as well. And um, that was the first safari where we linked up with people and got uh, addresses for selling boards and for delivering boards whenever we had them for them. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: And did, like, what kind of reaction did you get from people who just might be on the Strand at the time and, and they look out and they see this fella apparently walking on, on, on water? The, the, yes. <laughs>
1: uh, yes, I believe when we were in Bundorn, uh now there wouldn't have been anybody on the Strand because this was March and for us, well, okay, that didn't matter at all. Mm. Uh, but there was uh, somebody who uh, called the police about it. Or the people in, <laughs> in the water, in yeah, yeah. Mm. Was,
0: was it was and was it easy enough or easier I suppose to get wetsuits?
1: No, that was the funny side of it because uh, we didn't have many wetsuits and we had to share them around. And sometimes people got a jacket and sometimes they didn't. And um, sometimes they just got in with a couple of anoraks zipped up. And that leads us to the question of uh, <laughs> what... what... <laughs> I, w-
0: I hope there's photographic evidence of somebody as, as surfing in Ireland wearing an anorak. That would be brilliant.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, so uh, there there is a small film, all right, uh, and, and, and there's a guy in it, Patrick Kinsella, who was one of the founders of Irish surfing, and he, he was the communications... Uh, um, Chief in in DCU for a number of quite a number of years. Ever, since that. Um, but I have that on, on file
0: that funny shot <laughs> No you did mention um, that when you, you set up you kind of, you, you got interest from Northern Ireland as well now now tell me if I'm right or wrong here but the impression from what I've read was that say uh, south of the border there was a, a great uh, drive to expand the numbers, make international connections but like the lads in Northern Ireland almost it was like, God this is our little secret and we, we don't want to share it too much
1: Uh, Yes, they came down to us and linked in with some of the little trips we had. But they did keep their cards to their chest uh, (laughs) generally. Uh, But they did manage to produce the fiberglass boards themselves uh, rather than importing them like we were doing. uh, So that um, they had a lot of know-how technically, which Mm. which was to their credit.
0: Yeah. And so when were the first international events then staged in Ireland?
1: Uh, Right. Well, we ran, that would be the Surf Club of Ireland, which now the uh, Bray Ireland Surf Club became the Surf Club of Ireland because it administered for the whole country. And linking with the people in Tremor, who are very enthusiastic, uh, we got a committee going to run a contest, and the contest was to be run in Tremor in 1967. Now, prior to that, I had been in San Diego at the World Contest, and uh, I had seen how it, it's put together and how they're run, so I was able to supply that bit of extra knowledge uh, for our running of the event in Tremor, and it turned out a great success, and it's been run in Ireland ever since 67.
0: Right. Okay. In
1: different different venues.
0: Now, the, the, but though, and that was followed then in, by the European Surfing Championships in 1972. Though, at, that, from the sound of it, it sounds yeah. like that nature kind of let you down there.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it's quite used to that. The, <laughs> the way we came by that was because Ireland now started in 1967 to to go overseas and compete in France and in Jersey Channel Islands and in the UK and all that in contests. And that was expanding our knowledge. Now, the thing was that um, having, having done that, uh, they suddenly w- said to us one day in the Channel Islands, look, you guys have been coming over, that's good, but we want to run the European Championships uh, somewhere else. And we'd like to pick Ireland, what do you say? So we nearly, we were you know, quite quite astounded by that. We quickly discussed the matter back at base and, of course, we said we'd go ahead with it. And Lahinch Hinch was picked because it has so many attributes that are beneficial. Mm. Uh, you know, a great ocean and they had a judging unit in the uh, building that, that was for the sports centre. Uh, they had Shannon Airport nearby and they had buckets of of, of hotels and, and bed and breakfast. And a very uh, very cooperative committee there under Michal Vaughan and uh, Shannon side, and um, so we would put it together, and it was run very professionally. And I'd say uh, our, our our manager of the event, Harry Evans, um, uh, deserved credit for that. Uh, he he ran the event extremely well from a
0: minister's point of view. Yeah, uh, though the, the yeah, the, the waves weren't always there, unfortunately. Is, uh, oh yeah, that <laughs> that
1: was another thing. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, we have photographs uh, of taken by the press, of guys on waves, uh, probably about about two foot, roughly. But these fellows are performing. One of them is hanging, hanging five toes over the front of his board, even though it's only a two-foot wave. So there was something for everybody. But it was the day after the event, when that was over, uh, we saw plumes of water hitting the coast further down towards uh, Spanish Point. So we headed down there, and word got out that was the place to go to. And when we got there, we found the the reef at Spanish Point uh, was working magnificently. So the French team, British, Welsh and uh, Irish, who who were still remaining, uh, went out and started surfing that peak. And uh, from that day onwards, that's one of three peaks at Spanish Point that people surf continuously.
0: Okay, yeah. And so now, like, I mean, I suppose people will have... Their own preferences, I suppose. But what's the best place to surf in Ireland?
1: Oh, it's, it's like relativity, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Einstein could answer that one for us. Everybody everybody has their moment, almost everywhere. Um, you know, I can remember a great day in Bray, <laughs> mm. and then I never had another one for a long time after that. Uh, people will tell you everywhere you go about great waves. But Donegal Bay does have a consistency. Uh, yeah. And that would be Strand, yeah, East Key Strand Hill and Escrawn up to Rosnala and Donegal itself. Um, then, of course, you have Kerry and all that goes with that. And then the south coast around West Cork. Very good. But it kind of fades out a bit as you go towards Tremor. But Tremor also can handle quite a big uh, hurricane if, it, if if need be. And people can still surf the waves, even though they may be thundering in around the, around the metal man. Um, so, yeah, they do, they all have their moments.
0: Yeah, uh, they do indeed. James texted into us to say, uh, in the late 70s, a photo was taken of me by the evening press getting off the bus at O'Connell Bridge with my tiki surfboard. Uh, it was titled Gone Surfing. Unfortunately, it was caught rapid. I was on the hop from school on the way out to Hoth, uh, says James. So, uh, you ruined some education as well. Uh, (laughs) oh very good (laughs) very good someone else says we're off to Ross Nowla uh, this weekend for another week surfing uh, with the school up there Uh, absolutely brilliant uh, says another texter uh, you must be quite astounded when you see how much has developed
1: yes well remember we formed an Irish Surfing Association and this was very important The reason was that other clubs were beginning to break away from us, which was natural. We didn't mind, but we did see there was a very great need to tie them together with with something reasonable. Otherwise, other bodies would come in and they'd suddenly say, we're, we're, we're the the XXX association. We're going to run a contest in Kerry and we'd have no say. Mm -hmm. But this way, Ireland is ours, you know, so this, so we did it. So the ISA uh, represents North of Ireland and South and um it's 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 on it has got a website and uh, on it um this describes that we have uh, 66 schools and 15 clubs and uh, that we're hoping to plan to get a wave pool in Ireland I'm not exactly sure where that is decided for and that there's 15 uh, 100 and there's uh, 150,000 lessons going per annum in Ireland and uh, 300,000 surfers now the lessons are significant Because safety is one of the high points of the Irish Surfing Association. And each of those schools uh, operate in coordination with the ISA, Irish Surfing Association. And they use the safety rules that they have and they tell them to the young folk. So therefore, when they take a lesson, they have a safety inbuilt in their, in their minds. And this saves lives in the long
0: run. Indeed. Kevin, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much for uh, speaking with us today. This documentary is called Keep It a Secret. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.